This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. And now, from the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Knowledge, advice, and insight into starting, building, and managing a small business. Here is your host, Lauren Feldman. Welcome to a very special Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. I'm Chief Content Officer of the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs. As usual today, we're not going to tell you how to run your business. The show is about ideas and strategies and conversations. We want to have those conversations with you. If there's something you're struggling with, if there's something that's holding you back, call us at 1-844-942-7866. And remember, this is a safe space for business owners. If you're struggling with something, someone else listening to the show is probably struggling with it too. In other words, there are no stupid questions. But what makes this show so, so special is today with us right here in the studio to discuss your questions and your challenges is an all-star team of business experts who happen to be regular guests on the show. With me today, right here, are, in no particular order, Jay Goltz, who owns and operates five businesses in Chicago, including a home furnishing store and a picture framing service. Gene Marks, who owns and runs the Marks Group, a consulting firm that helps business owners with their technology issues. And Lou Mosca, who runs American Management Services, a consulting firm that helps business owners with all kinds of challenges. Jay, Gene, Lou, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Lauren. Well, good afternoon. It's really great to have you guys here. Really appreciate your coming in. I thought to get started, the main thing we want to do is talk to our listeners. We're hoping to get a lot of phone calls. This is an incredible opportunity for them to pitch uh, a challenge, an issue, something they're struggling with, and have uh, more years of experience to <laughs> to call upon well, again, than any of us mistakes. want to admit. <laughs> more mistakes made. Um, but to, to kind of get it going, I thought uh, it might be nice to um, acknowledge that even all-stars occasionally have challenges and, uh, and struggles. So I, th- I thought I might ask you guys uh, to talk about something that, that you're struggling with a little bit now. Uh, Gene, you, you've done that on this show before. Um, what's going on? Is there anything you're struggling with? Well, first of all, you, you said you were going to ask us this question before we had the show. And if I'd known that Lou actually was like a hairstylist or own <laughs> hair, I'd have had lots of hair-related questions. <laughs> Seems like too little too late at this point, you know? Um, but no, I, you know, I actually, as we've talked about on the show before, Lauren, um, you know, I launched guys last year, um, another site, I know we, we talked about websites before, but I, I, I launched this site um, specifically designed to help for one product that we sell uh, to help people learn it. It's a, it's a video and a training and a service site, um, and it's called Marks Group Live, and it's related to this one product. And um, I was just checking on my visitors. Now, we launched this back in October, and um, we've had 12 people visit the site today. Wow. 12 people. That's not what you were hoping for. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and I've told you stories about this before. I am failing so miserably in attracting people to this site that I can't. I've sunk a bunch of money into it. I know the concept of it is really great. And I don't even know if the concept is even that important uh, to talk about. But it's more so um, just the fact that we've been through. And I don't know if you guys have the same thing, been through marketing consultants and social media, you know, all that. Um, three I've been through unsuccessfully, and we had 12 people visit the site today. I need help drawing people to the site. Now, the people you're trying to draw yeah. are kind of like these guys, I think, yeah. right? Well, people, people who use... Uh, specific. These are, these are people that use this product. The product is Zoho. It's one of the CRM you know, systems that we sell, and who need help with it. You know, they, they need training, and they need services for it, and we offer these sort of subscription plans to it. Um, and I know we have right now, I don't know, about 50 subscribers, okay, 50. And, you know, we were looking for like, you know, 5,000 is what I wanted. Because Zoho has 30 million users wow. around the world, 30 million. Uh, quarter of 250,000 And they don't do companies. a lot of training themselves, right? They don't. And, uh, and I realize it's around the world. And so, you know, I'm just looking at the U.S. and it's a big market and U.K., Canada, English speaking, whatever. 
And I know I did my math. You know, I'm like, listen, we can attract one percent of these people that just need help, right? You know, that's always Never my works. joke with Shark Tank. They always say, if I could just get one percent, well, you can't get one percent. That's not a realistic goal. But, I am clearly not getting right, that one percent. It's not working. So if the average entrepreneur goes on and Google's right. Zoho assistance. Does you, do you come up? Yeah, we do. So it's a good question. So yes and no. Yes and no, Jay. I mean, we are, we've spent a lot of money on AdWords to get people to drive them. Um, our site is not organically coming up with the keywords that you mentioned. So, um, but it comes up with the AdWords. But then I learned that AdWords get eaten up real quick. You know, but when the people click Google is some mysterious calculation. It's like dark magic or something. And before you know it, you spend 10 grand on Google AdWords and nobody visited your site. Uh, and then, you know, organically for a couple of combinations, our site comes up for most others. It's not like I'm not getting it seen, you know, and AdWords, by the way, is. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but when you know when you see an ad word, are you more predisposed to click on that or the actual no, organic? Absolutely right? not. You kind of avoid the ads, but, you know. So, but, Lou, you spend a lot of money on AdWords. Have you figured anything out that makes it work for you? I figured out I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, you <laughs> joined the club. So we used it. We went to an outside service and we gave them a limited budget. Right. And it has driven, as I was saying to you last night, Jay, it's driven a lot of traffic to our website. Okay. And a lot of that traffic has turned into buyers. Okay. Okay. So we didn't know what we were doing. We still don't know what we're doing. So we went and got help. But we've gone through three people to get to someone that we got comfortable with. Will Zoho actually tell you? Who the users are in your area. Oh, no. So you have to go find them on your own. Not only will Zoho not do that, but our original URL was like zohotraining.com. And so, and they told us, uh, we don't, you know, you can't do that as a, you don't have the trademark to do that. That's why it's now March Group Lot. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't even do that. Did you offer them anything, you know, on the cheap or whatever to get them engaged with you, people that you're marketing to? Uh, With Zoho, you're saying? No, with the people you're attempting to get to sign up for your services. No. So tell me what, what you mean by that. Um, you know, somehow you got to get them to want to play with you, right? Yeah. So if they're not playing with you right now and you're looking to charge a fee for it, right. how do you give them something to, I don't like this phrase, but how do you give them something that you want to bait them that say, all right, here's a little teaser. Right. And maybe for 99 cents, here's a teaser or something. Okay. I don't believe in free, but maybe here's a teaser and this is why you should do business. So here's, an ups- here's an upside to the site, by the way. Um, yes. So if you land on my site, uh, we have a pop-up that offers a free white paper which is like six secrets for Zoho users or whatever. And we've been getting downloads of that. Like we've had like 50 – and there are leads. Those are leads for other – The people who download it, do yeah. you then sign up for the service? They do not sign up for the service, but I reach out to them after that and then follow up with them for other services. And we have people download our white papers too. Right. And some follow up with us. Some don't want to talk to us after they've downloaded right, it. Right. And I just think it's a numbers game. It is a numbers game. It num- is a huge numbers game. Uh, Lou, I've I, had 12 people visit my freaking site today. I, I believe you know what your I mean? problem isn't yeah. that the, what's your on the – they're not coming to the site because something's messed up. So, but you're not coming right up and they're not organically. You yes. Need to, and, and the lesson that the listeners should learn from both of you and from me is – there's a lot of these marketing consultants. They just don't know what they're doing. I, I couldn't agree with you more. How, th- let's go back to that yeah. because it's so hard to h- try to f- hire the right guru. Yeah. Everybody's a guru. How do you know which one to hire? Don't ask me because I'm failing miserably you're, you're, at it. You're over he three? knows. Lou seems to know. Yeah, I'm over three right now. I mean, I'm not, you know. I mean, you, Are you going to do a fourth? Um, I, I don't know yet. I, I, don't, I mean, it couldn't be any worse. You know, but I just I don't like spending money on marketing consultants where I'm not getting. I'm, any I'm a, I'm a big. You got to get an ROI. Yeah. And if someone can't tell me what my ROI is going to be, I back up by nature. Yeah. That's my nature. So I'm on my third digital marketing, quote unquote, yeah. consultant. And when he committed to me what he was going to do, I said, you got three months. All right. So I'm willing to spend X amount of dollars for three months. It's not an open checkbook. Right. And he did exactly what he committed to. But it took me to the third guy. So here's the question. How did you find that guy? Is he referred? Right. Mm. How did you find your three people? Oh, um, online. There's the answer. Yeah. 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 You can say anything you want online. Actually, true story. One of them I found through the show. (laughs) Through the show. Heard me talking about this and reached out to me. Why is that funny, Gene? Isn't that a a perfectly logical way to find someone? I'm coming after you after this thing is over. It's your fault. Uh, But yeah, it was was somebody that reached out to me, heard on the show, and and it just did not work out. All right, Gene, that's enough help for you. That's enough for me. We're uh, we're really here to try to help our listeners. (laughs) We're hoping they will call in. 
at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. We've got a murderer's row of uh, all-star experts. Do people know what murderer's row is anymore? No, you've dated yourself again. Okay, it's it's a good thing. (laughs) These aren't bad people. It's a good thing. Uh, Give us a call. This is a very rare opportunity to get some uh, great advice. Again, 1-844-942-7866. Lou? Anything you've been struggling with lately? Sure. Uh, numerous things, quite frankly. Um, one of my biggest challenges is that uh, we were so late to the dance in digital marketing. I'm terrified about how much money to put into it, but I need to catch up. So we're, we're working on that every day. And our social media, I didn't even, I had no social media presence mm. before two and a half years ago. And you know, You've really for, worked at it. I've, I've followed you. Well, I've got people I, that work at it for me, right. thank God, and I, and I appreciate what they do. But it is a tremendous effort to do all this stuff, and you still have 100 employees and clients you got to deal with and bankers and insurance companies. And so you said before that you're an ROI guy. You I need am. to see the return. I Are am. you seeing the return on your social media efforts? Tenfold. Really? Tenfold. Wow. And it is uh, – I track – I track what I'm paying by month versus what I'm getting. Now, the first year, I didn't track it at all because I felt I needed that uh, ramp up. We should say a lot of people think social media is free because you can sure. tweet for free. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but you got, if you're not doing it yourself, you got to pay somebody to do it. And that's the, the expense you're talking about, I assume. Well, I have two and a half full-time people, and I have an outside firm now helping me. So I track everything we're spending. I track what we spend on Google advertising, what we spend on Facebook advertising, and I track the client traffic and we track what it turns into dollars and cents. Because ultimately, if there's no dollars and cents, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. So but that took us a while. And I'm still cautious about how much money I'm spending every month on the advertising because nobody can tell you concretely what you're going to get for the dollars that you're spending. And you said before, you know, Google, whatever. I love when I hear the, the analytics and I yeah. hear the algorithms. A, and I'm like, box. what are they talking about? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. There is no question. There are a lot of people and I know some personally, you know, Lou, you have a very high average sale, so it's a very different mm-hmm. formula than if you're selling a picture frame for two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of people in the world. Who Some people figured, think that's a high average sale, well, <laughs> but not compared to you know thirty thousand dollars or something. The point is, there are a lot of people who have abandoned using Google AdWords because the math doesn't work. That it just it. It can't get enough leads. Turn. I have a good friend who built this whole business on it, and he used to have a hundred inside salespeople. Now he's got forty because he can't get the leads from it anymore because the ad word got so expensive. So it it works for some. It doesn't work for others. I don't think I don't think there's anything that you do that will work for you consistently. I think you have to keep being flexible and trying new stuff, but I'm always cautious about there's nothing that's 300 bucks. Everything has got a lot of zeros attached to it. And if you're not watching where it's going and what your ROI is, you can turn around and you're out a lot of money. So I'm always cautious of that. Well, there's no question. Marketing could be the black hole of business. Like you pay for accounting firm, you get your accounting done. You mm-hmm. pay for a law firm, you got you your should, whatever. Right? You get your house painted, your building painted, a car, your marketing, you could pay a lot of money and end up with nothing. Mm. And it's always been that way. And uh, it's definitely something to to keep a handle on. That was what uh, John Wanamaker said right in this city, right, right, about advertising. He knows he's wasting half the dollars he's spending. He just doesn't know which half. Right. Lou, I mean, you would, Lauren asked you what your challenge was, and you were saying that that digital marketing is always a challenge, but then you also just said that you're doing incredible with it. Well, because I feel, to me, it's, is am I doing it right? Hmm. And we started so late. We just really started two years ago. Mm-hmm. What are we missing? Mm-hmm. And where should we be? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's done well primarily in the last year. The first year I got virtually nothing out of it. And then I sit here and is it was it just dumb luck? Did it happen because we're spending the money? Mm-hmm. Did, did the Google AdWords or Facebook advertising or the things we do with other organizations drive traffic to me that generated these dollars? And I never get a black and white thousand percent answer. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little cautious all the time. So I want to push it harder and I back up before I do it. Here's a new word that's very important in business, attribution. 
So your business is doing better and you're wondering, oh, was it, oh, our web seems to be doing better. Was it the AdWords? Was it the social media? Was it our new website? And it's very difficult to figure out exactly what, and a lot of these computer people think they can figure it out exactly, because, but in e-commerce maybe you can, but in a normal <laughs> retail business, you're not sure, and we clearly have more people coming in from the web now, but I'm not so sure which part drove it, whether whether it was organic, whether it was Google, whether it was uh, um, social media, and trying to figure that out is still, you know, very difficult. As I've gotten to this age of my life, Gene, I'd rather go slower than faster. <laughs> so I know from a business perspective, I need to push the envelope more with the whole social media thing. Mm. But from a dollar and cents perspective, mm. if I'm not exactly sure what I want to do, it's going to wait. Yeah. I mean, I always felt like even with any type of marketing, it's, you know, it's like going to Atlantic City or Vegas and putting down a bet. You know, here it's a little bit more of an educated, you know, it's an educated guess. Um, but in your case, it sounds like you've, you're just relying on your outside experts to guide you along the way. And doesn't Actually, that scare you? Um, not really, because I don't trust them to begin with. Okay. So if I'm, op- if I'm starting with you need to show me and I know what my budget is every month, mm-hmm. now the burden's on me to make sure I get what I'm paying for. But I only brought in the outside folks last October. Okay. Everything else up to October was internally generated. And the first year to me was let's get everything built to where it should be. I, never, I couldn't even spell Twitter mm. two and a half years ago. So. I think it's pretty difficult to do this stuff internally. I think you need to. I, I think outside people have much bigger exposure to what's going Especially on. Especially if you're not a digital native, and there are no digital natives in this room. Uh, I might point sure. out. I'm Lauren Feldman. My guests are Lou Mosca of American Management Services, Gene Marks of the Marks Group, and Jay Goltz of the Goltz Group. I got to get a group. Your group. We're your group, dude. All right. The Feldman Group. We're your guys. If you have a question for Lou, Gene, or Jay, call us. We're at 1 844 Wharton. That's 1 844 942 7866. Jay, you struggling with anything? Waiting for this call to come in. Uh, You said something interesting. You said occasionally you struggle with things. I want to tell people that. The biggest lesson I learned in business, I hadn't. I was by myself. I've never had a boss. I've never worked anywhere else. It wasn't until I was 28 that I went to a seminar and I found out that other business people actually have problems. I thought it was just me. So I'm here to tell you today, here's what I've learned about entrepreneurship. A, it is what it is. If there's a problem with hiring these days, which there is, whether it's a problem with trying to get your, your marketing work, it just is what it is. Don't complain about it. And the second part is deal with it. Mm-hmm. And our mm-hmm. entire jobs is mm-hmm. to learn how to deal with stuff. So, like, there is no occasional challenges. There's regular ongoing challenges. True. That's what our job is. And it's okay. There's usually an answer to this, and you got to keep looking for it. You just don't throw up your hands and complain about it, though, because that's not going to help anything. So what are you struggling with? Lately, it has gotten profoundly harder to hire, like, truck drivers. I need a truck driver for my home store. And the minimum wage keeps going up, which is okay. It was it was way too low, but now it's getting to the point that no matter what we're paying, we're getting less and less people applying. And then when we do the criminal background check, it's literally, I'm not exaggerating, I'd say three-quarters of them, there's a problem, which might be okay. We're willing to have a conversation about it, but it's extended the whole the whole hiring process to where we're regularly now asking, so why were you in jail? What happened? And sometimes this is, I, I get it. There's people that, that need a second chance and that's fine, but it has gotten way more complicated. The, there's just less applicants and the ones that are coming in are, I can't go pay the same thing for a truck driver as a food service that's driving a, a refrigerated truck all day long and making a hundred stops. So I can't, so it's, it's more difficult to, there's, it's clearly gotten harder. Are you paying more than you used to? Absolutely. But you know, I've, I'm probably paying two, $3 an hour more, but mm. like I said, I, I, and, and my delivery guy is not doing backbreaking delivery. He's making, you know, four deliveries a day. Maybe, maybe he's driving the truck from my warehouse to the, to the showroom. It's 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 clearly harder than it was. Are these guys uh, are they employees that you're bringing on or contractors? No, no, I only do employees. Why? Because legally, if you hire someone in this ten and nine, you technically don't have control over them. You Mm -hmm. you know, it's I'm not going to start trying to get away with the ten ninety nine employee. And if you mean farm it out to someone else, we tried that too, and. 
I have a customer, I have a business that's extremely customer service driven, and I can't delegate that to someone else because I've tried. They're not going to have the same standards we have, and it's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have 100 employees. I don't have any 1099s. I don't want any 1099s. Mm -hmm. I want them to know where they belong and what they're supposed to be doing and that they're part of something. Okay, and I want to have control over what they're part of. On the flip side, on the flip side, what I'd like is when I look to hire people, I'm okay giving people a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a phone call. Julian in California, welcome to Mind Your Business. Hey, how you all doing today? We're doing great. What's on your mind, Julian? Um, I'm a photographer out here in Los Angeles, and I, I spent the last two years uh, photographing captive animals, formed a nonprofit. And uh, the book is done, and we qualified for the Google for Nonprofits. And so we have uh, $10,000 a month of Google ads to our dis- at our disposal. And I wanted to see if any of you were familiar with this and if you had any kind of good advice before I get into doing this or hiring someone to manage this account. I'm not sure I understand exactly what you're asking. You, um, w- What is it that you got from Google? Well, okay, I have a nonprofit. It's a book on caged animals. Um, and uh, and so we it, there's a program called Google for Nonprofits. And if you qualify, you can get up to $10,000 a month totally free of Google ads. And so uh, that's what we have. We qualified for the 10000 a month, and it's the first month. And before I either go out and hire someone to try to manage this, is there anyone that's familiar there with this, and do they have any advice for me on it? Well, you're so having to raise an issue that th- these guys have been struggling with as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gene, do you well, have first any thoughts? I've heard the Google nonprofit um, program. It's great. And a lot of companies offer programs for nonprofits. So, uh, you know, basically what, what you're saying is that, you know, they, they've given you 10000 bucks a month. Um, it lasts for a certain period of time. And so you've got free money from Google to do your advertising, which is great. Um, now but you, you gotta, want to get that bank for the buck. Yeah, that's how do you exactly make the most right. Of it? So just because it's free, it doesn't mean you you toss it all away. You have to you want to take full advantage of that, which brings us back to the conversation we were having um, just before. I mean, I, I'm assuming you're like us, and and I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. What, what's um Julian? Julian. Uh, yeah, Julian. So I'm assuming you're like the rest of us. None of us are digital marketing experts, you know, and and I'm assuming you're not either, right? So. Well, yeah, we're, we're, I'm, we're over forty. So no. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you do you do what you're going to do, um, and you want to focus on that. And I think you have to outsource um, to somebody that does this really well on your behalf. Um, which brings us to the question I think you know that we were asking earlier. Jay was asking to Lou, where do you find those people? You know, I have a different question. Just let's be clear: you're selling a book, right? That's what you're selling. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, the, the, well, I, well I, I, the the book is the product of the nonprofit I started, VisionsOfTheWorld dot org, and it's on captive animals. And so now, because, uh, the Visions of the World org is what's qualified for the ad, um, the Google ads. But the question is, what is it that you're? Con- I, it's a little muddled message. I get you're a photographer, okay. but is the message you shouldn't be caged? Is what? What's your goal here? To sell well, books the, or to get animals are, not caged? No, no, no. It's it's basically it's a tribute to the the people who have spent their entire lives uh, taking care of these animals, which uh. can't be returned to the wild. So the book's called Life Behind Bars. Uh, Tippy Hedren, who has a place out here called Shambhala, there's some photos right? in here and so forth. Books. And so we're we're pushing the books. book on uh, appreciating the animals and the people who have taken care of them. So the question is, what is the consumer going to be Googling and why are they looking for this before you start a campaign to do pay-per-click? You have to figure out what is the business model, who's looking to buy this book, because that's what the whole Google pay-per-click's about. Exactly, yes. Did Google grant you this credit directly? Uh, Yes, I had to go through them. I I went through a long process. They called me and said I qualified for the 10000 and then they hooked me up with one of their texts to to set the whole thing up, to put an initial four uh, ad, uh, ads up. And so now I get them. But I have to have a certain amount of uh, clicks per something or other. So I, I know I have to find someone who knows this world because um, I don't. And well, we were just talking about what it takes to uh, to hire someone who knows this world. And the uh, I think the best recommendation we got from this group is uh, not to just look on. Don't the go through the yellow internet, pages, right. <laughs> or certainly not the <laughs> yellow pages. You need you need to talk to other people, and and maybe you, in your case, it would make particular sense to talk to other people with nonprofits and find out uh, if they have hired someone who's been helpful to them. 
Uh, I think that might be the best we can do in, in terms of advice for you. But good luck with that. I uh, hope it works out. And thank you very much for your phone call. Let's, uh, let's go to Bev in Canada. Uh, and by the way, if you're sitting there thinking about calling, this is your opportunity. Call us as soon as you can. This, the clock is ticking. We're at 1-844-942-7866. Bev, what's in your mind? Uh, guys, just uh, struggling to decide how much time and energy to devote working on your business and working in your business. I'm a realtor and mortgage agent. That's uh, that's a question that comes up all the time. Um, Lou, you want to take a crack at that? How do you decide on versus in? So uh, let me ask you, how long have you been in business? Uh, I'm supposed to say for a while, but we'll say four months. <laughs> four months. Okay, there's not enough hours in the day for you to devote to your business right now. <laughs> right. Right. You just you got to eat, sleep, drink it, breathe it, give up sleep, you know, work on it, work in it, do everything you need to do. What do you think, Jay? I think if you're in sales, there's not really a business to work on. I think you're a salesperson and you need to find out how do successful salespeople in that industry become successful because when you say working on the business, usually that means you're dealing with accounting, you're dealing with planning, planning, all different kinds of things. No, you're in sales and I think you should spend all of your energy figuring out because I know a little bit about real estate. It, it, it's one of those businesses where very few people make most of the money. That the fact is, most real estate agents aren't doing that well, and a few of them are making a zillion dollars. You got to figure out how are those people doing really well doing it, and start to learn those skills. And Bev, if I can also add in, sometimes we uh, you hear that question about working on your in your business, and sometimes people ask that question in a vacuum. Um, you have a life to live. You know, twenty four hours a day isn't just your business. You know, it's it's short time walking around on Earth. So you have to make some decisions as to how you want to balance your life. Um, the people I know that sometimes give 100% of their business um, wind up divorced or wind up unhappy or wind up uh, uh, with unhappy children or just whatever. Um, and then, uh, you know, the people that don't put enough time into their business, they don't wind up as financially successful. They get divorced as, for that reason. Yeah, right. Possibly. But they don't, they, they, they're they not as financially successful. Or they don't meet their business objectives. Um, you've got to personally decide what you want out of your life, and then you have to balance Balance that, and you're going to have to make some compromises uh, because if you if you devote too much time to one thing, whether it's personal or professional, uh, the other thing is going to be sure to suffer. So just think about where you want to be ten years from now, and and make your decisions based on that. That's, Beth, that's the best advice I have. Is this helpful, Beth? Uh, yes, sir. Definitely is. Maybe I should have uh, made it more specific by saying thing like you know I could go door knocking subdivisions at a time, and I could spend days doing that. Or I could take my time and uh, do the digital side of things, you know, create my Google presence, enhance it, uh, videos on YouTube, et cetera. Uh, it's a different that. question it's, altogether. It, it seems to me uh, knocking on doors sounds like cold calling, uh, whereas with social media, you have a shot of finding the, the, the real targets you're looking for. Jay, any I thoughts? can tell you that I... I bought a condo in the city in Chicago, and I used a realtor who was a jackass, and he's extremely successful. And I keep thinking, everyone I talk to, oh, yeah, that guy, everyone's got the same opinion of him. And I keep thinking, how is he so successful? But he goes home with all the money. No, I'm going to yeah. tell you how I figured it out. I, you know, I only stay in this condo like once, twice a week. And every time I go to the mailbox, he's got a mailer in there. And I figured out, I believe, that he figured out how to work the, the direct mail thing, that he gets enough new business out of it. It doesn't matter that people don't like him. It must work. So there are realtors out there that figured out how to use those postcard mailings to their benefit. And that's probably something to look into. Bab, I hope that's helpful. Thank you very much for your phone call. If uh, you listening in have a question, this is your opportunity. We're at 1-844-WHARTON, 1-844-942-7866. We're going to have to take a break soon. But real quick, when I got you guys here, I want to ask a question I always wonder about. Gene, you're the boss. You're the owner. How do you decide what to pay yourself? <laughs> um, it, you know, first of all, I don't know if you decide what to pay yourself. It's sort of your business drives what you're going to pay yourself. I mean, in the end, um, I pay myself a certain compensation that's commensurate with what the CEO of a 10 to 20 person company should be having for tax purposes. So I can, you know, take tax money out of that and, you know, put taxes away. But I have an S corporation. So whatever's left over in the day, that's what winds up in the bank. And I decide whether or not I'm going to spend that or not. So. 
Jay, how do you decide what, what you're going to pay yourself? I would change that question to what do I allocate, meaning I want to be able to look at my company and say it's doing well or not. So if you're pulling out too much <clears> salary but you have a 2% bottom line, that's kind of sure. not right. And if you're not pulling any money out and you run over going, oh, look, I got an 8% bottom line, but you paid yourself. So I'm trying to figure out what do I pay myself that would be commensurate with if this was not my own company. Correct. And Wait, go back and explain why if you're pulling out – the amount of money, money that you right. would you would like to take right. home, but that means that your bottom line is not it, as impressive as it should be. Why do you care? Well, you're um, fooling yourself. Though. Right, you're right. Just for your own assessment of how is my company doing, right. you I'm always you know, I've been in lots of business groups. I'm always amused when guys throw out, Oh, I made X amount last year, and I go, How much did you pay yourself? Like next to nothing. Go, well, that's why. It 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 perverts the number either way. But only you have to know that. Well, but that's why I say allocate is a better number. Either. I'm just saying allocating. Yeah. So the, the answer is how much do I allocate? Uh, uh, in my case, I'm thinking 1%, 2% of sales. Interesting. Lou, you see way more companies uh, and owners than uh, than most people <laughs> in the world get to see. What, what, do people, what do you usually see? What do most owners do? Um, they fall into several buckets. They overpay themselves ridiculously. They underpay themselves ridiculously. They fund the bottom line by not paying themselves. And I think that there should be a degree of reasonableness, which would take some time to discuss depending on the status of the business. The government wants you to have that as well. <laughs> and, and their debt load. Yeah. I'm always concerned about debt versus what an owner is taking in income. Right. Here's a, a huge problem. When they've been in business 20, 30 years and they own the building, they stop charging themselves for rent, what they should charge themselves. So then and my kid's in real estate. He does small real estate development and he finds a restaurant, for instance, it's extremely well-known in Chicago they can't sell it because if they had to pay the rent that the building was worth, there'd be no profit left. So as a result, over the last 30 years, the dinners are too cheap, frankly, and they should have been charging more if they would have treated the building as a business. So they kind of cornered themselves with they made a business that really was being artificially funded by not charging themselves the proper rent. And that is a common problem and, after 20, 30 years. And, Lauren, if I can just also add to what, what Jay is saying is that someday I want to sell my business. And if you're walking around thinking you want to sell your business, if I'm going to bring in somebody from the outside, like, Lou, if I'm going to bring you in to sell my business to you one day, are you going to laugh me out of the room because of what I'm paying myself, I'm overpaying myself, underpaying myself? Uh, we, know, they, we, we sort of look at it like this, Gene. We sort of look at it as owner's compensation, real rent that an owner is taking if they're a property owner, right. and real net profit. Right. So we look at it as a bucket. Right. That's the way we do things. So any one of those pieces can be distorted. But together, it's kind of tough to distort what the real picture is. Good point. So how an owner treats himself is based on a lot of circumstances. But as I said before, I'm always concerned about what their debt level is versus what they're taking out because they are accountable to someone else. That's great. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk some more with our all-star experts, Jay Goltz, Gene Marks, and Lou Mosca. But you don't have to wait. If you have a question or a comment, you can call right now. Get in line. Our number is 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. You're listening to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman, and this is Business Radio powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. You're listening to Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Here again is Lauren Feldman. Welcome back to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. We're talking to Lou Mosca, Gene Marks, and Jay Goltz. You can find all of them on Twitter. Lou on Twitter is at Mosca Small Biz. Gene is at Gene, G-E-N-E, Marks, M-A-R-K-S. And Jay is at J Small Biz. And the clock is ticking. So if you have a question or a comment for these guys, now's your time to call. 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. But uh, until the phone rings, I got a bunch of questions that I, I want to hear from you guys on. Let me start with this one. Um, Gene, would, would you hire all of your current employees again if you had to think it over for a second time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Jay, would you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, not simply because so, if that wasn't the case, they wouldn't work for me. Right. Lou? Probably not. <laughs> and why is that? Because I think that um, I think that there's a difference between someone that can conduct a great interview or be a good interview versus be a solid 
A minus employee. I don't think there are a lot of A plus employees. I think there, I think there's a lot of A minus or B plus employees, and I'm okay with all of them. It's the guys that have an attitude that I'd like to get rid of, even if they're productive. So I don't think I'd hire them all again. Lou, what do so you, you have some people who have an attitude yeah. and, and so are why not productive. Are they why, yeah, why are they still there? They're productive. They're productive. They so sell. It makes you challenging. They make you money. You know, the way you said you couldn't they're find they're that they're truck they're driver. So when I, I get about 2,000 resumes a week. Wow. And a lot of them are garbage. They're just crap, right? So but we're always going through the needle in the haystack like most other people do. And we have one and a half people doing nothing but recruiting all day long. But... But I somehow find a way to compartmentalize the lunacy for the productivity because ultimately the only scorecard is the balance sheet and the P&L. Those are the only true scorecards to me. What, what, to, I, I completely go ahead, disagree with you. <laughs> I have so many questions Jay, for him as well. I mean, Gene, go. Yes. No, I just want to ask Lou. Actually, both of you guys, but I'll start with you, Lou, is it, is it we're talking about hiring people. Um, do you hire somebody for technical skills or person? What is the priority to you? I'll say yes. <laughs> okay. Depends on the job. Um, most times I'm looking for the person, and then if they're the right person, hopefully we can teach they them can what they need to be taught. Right. And I'm always surprised with some people how well they want to step up and do things. And I'm really, it really is a great feeling. It's an amazing feeling. And on the flip side, I, you know, we get surprised from time to time. Jay, you said you disagreed with something. I, he said, quote unquote, Lou, if I'm wrong, Lou, Lou said. said the income statement of the balance sheet is the only thing that matters. It's so it's the ultimate scorecard. It's the ultimate scorecard, and I completely disagree. It's a very important part of the scorecard. I add on, I don't want to work with jerks. I don't want my other employees to work with jerks. I want to have a nice company, and that's important to me. So if somebody's got a bad, he's got an answer problem, I get rid of them, and they should work somewhere else. God so, bless. No. <laughs> so it makes the world go around. Yeah. Well, I want to go back. You said you're getting, I think you said, 2,000 <laughs> resumes a week? Yeah. That strikes me as a remarkable number. What are you doing to, to generate that? That's actually, it's no better, no worse than it's been for about the last 10 years. Really? Mm -hmm. you, that's re responding to an ongoing campaign of some sort, mm -hmm. I assume. What, what, what's the but campaign? We have, see, one of the things I think we do differently, and I don't, trust me, we don't do it perfect. But one of the things I think we do differently is most small business owners I meet, and I don't like that phrase small business mm -hmm. owner. I think they're entrepreneurs and they're independent business owners, but anybody's business to him, it's not small right. and it is not if small. If it's your business, it's it not small. It is your baby and it's your responsibility. <laughs> it's not small. But I think what most independent business owners do is they decide they need someone and then it becomes the panic du jour to try to find the someone. We put in a full-time effort in recruiting. Full-time, nonstop, You're all the time. You're always looking. Full-time, nonstop, all the time because I don't know where that next needle's coming from. And if I'm not doing it full-time, nonstop, all the time, I'm going to miss it. But we have up to... Will you hire someone? If you find a good person and you don't have an opening, you'll hire them anyway because you, you because need that person? Because we can afford person. to do it. Yeah. Because we can afford to do it. I would definitely do that. And then I would create a position for someone if it made sense to do so. And I want everyone to have the same opportunity I had. So we're always looking for whatever talent we can find. We are the same, although we don't have an ongoing campaigns like Lou do. But we um, we're always looking for people as well because um, we don't sell we don't sell photo frames like we sell services. So if I find a good person that's got an expertise in something that's somewhat connected to what we do, I'll find a way to sell that guy's expertise. You so know? my people are just like regular moron people. They're selling frames, but you got the smarter no, ones. Is that what you're saying what here? No, 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 well, no, no, no. that's what it sounded no. like to my me. Trust me, selling picture framing, the right picture framing takes some expertise and it's not uh, ringing someone out. Actually, your sale is very personal. Yeah, and they have your, to know what they're doing. Your sale is very personal. If someone doesn't have that connection, that guy's walking out the door. And my, you're asking people to spend a significant amount not of money. Just that. We have to take someone's art and figure out how should it look great right and figure out what the customer Fair wants. Enough. And my average person's been with me for 10 and a half years that does this. And when I meet people and they say, oh, you're an artist, so, oh, I always use someone. They have a serious connection mm. with my with my sales force. So, okay. And what, it's a good point. And what they, a good you're point. selling them, they're taking home, and it's part of their Absolutely. life. So it's extraordinarily personal. And there's a huge difference between my my old phrases, uh, good framing lasts forever. Unfortunately, so does mediocre framing. Mm -hmm. I mean, the stuff's going to hang on their wall for 30 years. You have a lot of phrases, you know? Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what I do. I want to follow up on that in a second, but we're looking for phone calls. If you've got a question, a challenge, a concern, something you're struggling with, a comment on something these guys said, call us. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's one 844 Nine four two seven eight six six. I'm curious, Jay. You said the. I think you said the average 
uh, employee has been with you for 10.5 my years. My average employee has been with me, which makes them far more than so, average. Do you think as an owner you can be friends with uh, with your employees? Um, I think you can be friendly. I think you can absolutely be friends with many of your employees. But I always say there's work fors and there's work withs, and you better figure out which are with which. And the work withs, you never have to really manage. They're always doing what they're supposed to do. And sometimes the work fors, you need to tell them you're late. Don't be late again. And they're and in business school. They teach <clears throat> X theory management and Y X theory is everyone's bad. You got to stay on them. And Y theory is everyone wants to do a good job. They just need an opportunity. And it's frankly stupid because I found there's X employees. Employees, and there's Y employees, and you have to know which are which. And Wh- yeah. which ones are you friends with? The X's or the Y's? Well, I'm friendly with all of them, but I'm certainly friendlier with the Y's that I don't have to worry about having to manage them. And there's some people I never have to say a word to about anything. And there's other people I know that if we don't stand, if we don't watch the time clock stuff, mm-hmm. they're going to start coming in late. And it's okay; they're good employees. But but I think you can be friends with it. But but you have to be the boss first. That's do you, key. Do you, you think you, you, you can be friends? Um, I think you can be respectful, and I think, say no more. That answers the no, question. No, but I listen. I've had employees to my house for holidays when they're alone, and I'm I'm okay with that. And I'm still going to hold them accountable, and I expect to be held accountable. So I think it's okay to be human. I think it's okay to be civil. I think it's okay to be friendly, and I damn damn well better be respectful. I mean, it better be reciprocal. But I will bend over. I will lend them money. I will buy them dinner. They are welcome to my house. If they're alone, I don't have any problem with that. But accountability is accountability. Because do you I know, do I'll believe you the in the question you were about to ask. Do you, no, do you socialize with employees? Yeah, say, do you, I, I do not. Um, I, and I have the same respectful relationship that, that you guys are saying as well. And I really care about the people that work for me and, and have helped them out financially and done other stuff. Because they're, I want them to be happy working for me. So that's, that is a long-term relationship. But I don't go out for beers with people. I don't have a social life with them. I don't have any personal re- like that to last. In fact, it would be kind of weird. But a lot of your employees work remote too. They do. So but you're no, not but congregating together. That is 100% true. One of the biggest problems in my company is that we are you know, we're dysfunctional when it comes to the culture because we don't we don't have a coffee you know coffee pot that we gather around. So we only see each other infrequently. Have you figured um, out a way to compensate for that? No, not really. I mean, it's um, we I looks running a business to me is it, it's give and take and it's compromise. So uh, the cost savings and the flexibility and and all the people Out, love outweigh it. the hugs it outweighs the hugs it's exactly <laughs> and i don't need to look within the soul of any of uh, the people working for me and i don't think they want to you know hang out with me either so we've all got our lives to live together but we're happy working together and we treat each other with respect let's call some of your employees and let's verify that they're happy <laughs> <working> <laughs> that they're working right now <laughs> only, only the they're boss says oh we're all happy working together <laughs> they're all busy we, we know they're listening that's why gene said that he would hire them all again <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're at 1-844-942-7866. Another question for all of you. I'm curious about your attitude toward debt. Uh, Jay, are you willing to, uh, to Love borrow debt. money? Love debt. I think debt is like a bicycle. Get you somewhere faster. But if you ride the bicycle recklessly, you could end up dead on the side of the road. So I think debt gets a bad reputation. If it wasn't for debt, my company would be a quarter of the size it is. And But you can absolutely misuse debt to a disastrous degree. Lou, I think I heard you sigh just there. Um, I, I What's actually, your attitude toward debt? I, I actually think debt can be a good tool. I think, unfortunately, it's abused. So simple things that I think you and I talked about once recently is that people think a line of credit is not debt. Hmm. They think it's their money. Wait, oh, listen to me. Really? Well, mm-hmm. think about this. You have a $500,000 line of credit and you're 300000 into it and you have $100,000 in your checking account. You have no money. That's the bank's $100,000. Okay? And what people forget all the time is a line of credit is a demand loan. It's usually for one year demand loan. So I'm always cautious. I think people should have lines of credit and I think you should have the ability to, to draw on a line of credit as you need to. But if you can't pay a pack in a reasonable point of time, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, it's not a line of credit anymore. You have a liquidity problem. So I think debt to – Buy a piece of equipment where you can measure the ROI or debt to buy an asset that you know you will pay down and it will appreciate. I think those are pretty good sound decisions if you have good solid cash flow. But if you don't, just to have 
line of credit and you use it frivolously to do a marketing campaign. credit card to do a marketing campaign. Yeah, I don't know that I would ne- do never. that ever. Never, 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 never. Use it because you've got some tremendous receivables and they take a while to collect and you're hurting your cash flow. But people, you hear these ads on the radio, oh, get borrow money for anything, a marketing campaign. That is the last thing I would ever borrow money to do because the reality is most marketing campaigns don't work. Mm. I think debt determines um, whether or not you're a small business or a big business. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm a small business and will always be a small business is because uh, uh, my wife and I, and my wife is involved in my business. She, she has a lifelong aversion to debt. She will never let me go into you know debt. She doesn't like it. Um, and we make these compromises in our lives. Um, the people that expand businesses in a capitalistic society need capital to do that. That's how you grow. And that might come from equity, but a lot of times it comes from debt financing. And um, the most successful business owners in the world that you know grow their businesses, they can't do it alone. They need outside finance to do it, and they do it very intelligently. I'd much rather see a business owner borrow from a bank or a financial institution than go hit their 401k yeah, or the retirement absolutely. fund. I, I knew absolutely. a woman who started a business with a credit card nursing a child and put 40, 50 grand on a credit card. And mm. her logic was, I can't borrow. And if it goes south, I'll pay it off 200 bucks a month for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And within four years, it was doing $9 million. Yeah, right. You're right. looking at one. Okay. Yeah. I borrowed so, my house. I bought my house on credit cards. Yeah. I did it. I have I'm, no I'm okay with that risk. If you can it, find it, if you can maintain the debt, that's completely makes you know what sense shot you're the, taking, right. but you need to understand all the components. By the way, that's the same thing as online lenders. You know, they talk about these online they, cabbage they have, and stuff. They cabbage yeah. and those guys, and they charge uh, these excessive interest rates. Wait, wait, on. let's talk about that. What interest rate is it? It's oh, like eighty percent. No, 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 no. It's like eighty-five percent. These like payday loans. They're going to take the money out of you every day. But but any of you ever use them? No, but I have a client. I've had clients that. I've had clients who use them. I've had a few that successfully. Used them. Successfully, I've had one guy who wanted to open up a coffee shop nearby, you know, in Philadelphia, and needed to put down like twenty grand as a deposit, or else he would lose that location, and he needed the money like the next day. And he went to one of the. Gina had a friend Got run it, his business. Every time he needed twenty or thirty grand, he'd drive down to Atlantic City, take out a marker, <laughs> take the money, go back, make his money, go back a week later and pay it back. Right. Right. So you listen, there's a will, there's a way. There's people a will, can do there's things. a way. So right. those are people that are doing. They're they're handling finance. Intelligently, they know if I do creatively. that creatively. I, I, you know, Lou, I thought payback. you were going to go to which is I'd rather borrow from a bank than take in an investor slash uh, uh, sil- a, a silent investor, which is an oxymoron. Any There's no such thing as a silent investor. Any day, yes, good. But still, debt. I think just debt is what separates the big businesses and the small businesses. Or the medium businesses from the. I'm a medium business. Yeah. Did yep. it take a while for you and your wife to settle on this compromise? No, she always has Didn't always... Didn't sound like it. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's the way she's grown up, and I always just knew that I would never be like a larger... Law. And it's fine. It's fine. But If she changed her uh, opinion, what would you borrow money to, to spend that money on also, right now? That's also a really good question, because when you're in a service business, it's not like... I have some people, uh, like clients, they can go out there and they can borrow you know half a million dollars because they know they're going to get a piece of equipment, and it's going to be busy 24 hours a day on their floor. Yeah, you it's got be people. Turned, I got and people. Brains, that's what you have. That's exactly right. So that's, that's my commodity. asset. So you ask me, what, I would never use debt for marketing, because I, but but I'd use it to hire like a, a couple of good people I know I can make money off of, because they again they're my they're my inventory is my people. That's what I do with it. Does that make sense to you, Lou? I, you know, if you know what you're going to get from it, or you yep. think you know what you're going to get from it, it's a calculated risk. I'm right. good with it. Greatest thing ever. You're in a building. You're, you're especially if you're in a retailish business where it's bad to move. You buy the building, SBA loan, ten percent down. Game changer, life changer. Greatest thing the government's ever done. SBA loans, ten percent down. And then people go, oh, it's a hassle. No, it's not. That's just a ridiculous. Well, it is a hassle, oh, but it's, it's worth a it. minor hassle. Yeah, but the it's, bank it's, does most of the work, right? They, yeah. No, they've got these CD. They've got companies that do it for the bank, and and they're an in between. It's they're the greatest thing ever. Ami's talk. You know, you've had another guest on. Ami Kassar, he's going to be back June 13th. Yeah. So here's another uh, employee-related question. I I hear this phrase all the time, and I'm curious what you guys think. Everybody wants their employees to act like owners. (laughs) (laughs) You guys try to get your employees to act like they own the place? I – different people have different points of view. Um, And this is going to sound pretty draconian, but – the people that work for me, they, you know, you know, I pay them, I think, pretty well. In fact, above market, um, and I want to make money off them. That's like my whole. That's why they're there. I actually have no desire for them to act like an owner. Okay, if they come up with ways that we can be better serving our clients and that we can be profiting off of that, that's great. Um, but I, I don't want anybody telling me how to run my business. That's just me. Sorry, Jay. Do you want your people to act like owners? 
Oh, I would like them to, and many of them do, and I do want them to tell me what they think we should do, but I don't – I hear these people when I do conferences, and they'll say, how do you get your employees to act like owners? And I go, well, they're not an owner. Right. Why should they act like an owner? I mean, why, right. how about getting to be responsible? How right. about getting to do job. their job? How about getting them to look out for the best interests of your business? But that's not the same thing. We got a phone call from a Jay in Illinois, and I'm pretty sure it's not <laughs> wow. Jay Goltz from Illinois. There's a couple more in Illinois. Jay in Illinois, welcome to Mind Your Business. What's on your mind? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a few of us in Illinois. How are you? <laughs> Doing great. Thank you for calling. I hear you all talking about the difference or talking about the pros and cons of uh, getting a loan from the bank versus uh, an investment. But uh, if, if, when we're talking about getting a loan from a bank, what would be some healthy tips as far as um, uh, putting your business plan together? Great question. What do you need to show a, a bank That's to a get that question. loan? Jay? Okay. The fact that you said a business plan tells me it's a fallacy that you're going to put together this plan and go to the banker to go, I like this idea. <laughs> Bob, get him 50000 No, they're going to ask you what kind of property do you own? Where's your assets? The bank is not, an, is not a venture capital fund. They want to know where your assets are. So I would say the first thing is if you don't have any assets to borrow against, you're probably not getting a loan. No one wants to tell you that. Number two, if you do have some assets to borrow against, go to a bank that does small business loans. Most of them don't. They SBA, pretend to be. SBA. Or, or, just, or they pretend to do small business loans because their ads say it. But I found out that the people writing the ads aren't the ones giving the loans. So you got to find a bank that's, that specializes. That's their niche. They do small business loans. And you have to have some assets to borrow against. And, and that's what it takes. Jay from Illinois, is that helpful? That was extremely helpful. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks for your phone call. Appreciate your calling. Um, Lou, do you have any other thoughts on that ground? When, when you go to a bank, uh, what should your expectations be? Depends where you are. So if you're a startup and you think a bank's just going to give you a hundred grand to do something and you don't have any assets, don't go. If you're in business, they want to see your track record. They usually want to see three years of financials and they want to see you've performed to some expectation, but bankers are your best friend when you don't need them. Mm. And when you need them, they're not your best friends. And the sad part is you'd think they would just tell you, oh, you don't, you know what, don't waste. No, they're going to waste some they'll time drag with you. you along. They'll, right. They'll drag you along and they'll tell you they can't give. And why didn't they just tell them that up front? They right. know they're not going to give them the loan because it's PR. They don't want to be putting a word They out want there. you to think that they've taken you seriously right. and put but, a lot of thought into it. But a lot of, of banks it. also have requirements that they have to do extra percentage with small business owners or minority business owners. They have to do this. They don't know which ones they're going to be, but they do drag you along and they should not do that because they know on the handshake that it's a no. People say that Something banks you don't are, have to deal with, Gene. Well, it's true, but I mean, from all my clients that, that use banks, the one thing that I've learned is that um, banks are in the business to make money. They are profit generators as well. They care about debt maintenance. They just want to make sure that their clients are going to be um, paying back whatever debt that they take, and they'll be paying it back at the interest rate they charge so they make money. And when people ask me about putting together a business plan as a small business, um, your plan should be all focused on how the bank is going to be paid back over the next 10 to 20 years. Show me your cash flow forecast and your assumptions that will that will back that up. I want to make clear, I didn't borrow money from a bank for probably 10 or 15 years. Mm. I mean, starting a business with borrowed money is not a good idea, mm. period. Although... You know, I see a lot of people raising money with venture capital. You know, that, they, that's always talked about. And I wonder why more of them don't figure out a way to, to borrow money instead of well, giving up equity. Well, they can't is the answer. They can't. And, and in some of those cases, which people need to realize, it's probably 3%. They're shooting for the moon and big money. So even if they end up with 20%, they still – I mean, there's people made billionaires like that. But for a typical small business – uh, going to your uncle, the dentist, is probably not a good idea. The number one source of financing for a startup company. And when we're talking about startups, I mean, this is not tech firms in Silicon Valley. We're talking about pizza shops and garages and you know, business, small business. Um, it's usually family. You know, Actually, it's usually uncle. friends. Friends. Family, family. Some savings of your own. And fools. <laughs> and ex-friends. And ex <laughs> like. Soon to be ex-friends. Guys, as we, uh, as we feared, uh, the time has just flown by. Um, we're going two hours, <laughs> Lauren. We're locking the door. We're going two hours. Michelle, do we have approval? Can we keep going? No. no. Man. Darn. You're going to have to come back next week. What do you guys say? You good here? You next start, Thursday? Start I say we go to Orlando. <laughs> Jay Galtz, Gene Marks, and Lou Mosca, thank you all once again for being here in the studio. We really appreciate it. And again, uh, on Twitter, you can find these guys if you want to know more about them. 
at J Small Biz, at Gene Marks, and at Mosca Small Biz. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but we're here every Thursday at 1 p.m. My thanks to audio engineer Dion Simpkins and producer Michelle Stucker. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter at L Feldman. This has been great, guys. We got to do it again. Until next time, I'm Lauren Feldman. This has been Mind Your Business on Business Radio, powered by the Warden School, Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 